Happy Sunday, church, whether you're online or in person. Turn to someone, stare them in the face. If you're at home, do the same. Come on, find someone. Stare them in the face. Look at them and say these words. Jesus is in the house. One more time. Jesus is in the house. Turn to your other neighbor and say, did you hear me? All right. Ah, I'm so excited. I love this Sunday. You know, there's just something about the energy of students. Uh, you, you ever notice in the Bible when God wanted to do something big, he called a teenager out? Kill a, kill a giant, change a nation, birth of his son. Let's get a teenager to do the work. And we are blessed to have some teenagers that are ready to get after it. We're in a series, the Gospel of John. We've been looking at, uh, at how Jesus is not only the Son of God, but he also became man. And so John does a great job of just showing his divinity, but also his humanity. And today we are going to hear some stories and testimonies that are going to be incredibly powerful. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read for you a scripture out of John chapter 4, where we've been. And I'm going to make a point, and then I'm going to get off the stage. I'm going to leave it for the real heroes today. So he came again to Cana in Galilee. Remember, he was there for a wedding, but he came back where he had made water into wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. As he was going down, his servants came to him and said, Your son is recovering. So he asked, When was the hour that he began to get better? And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, his fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was the second sign that Jesus did when he had come to Gia from Galilee. Now listen. Jesus was doing signs and wonders. And people were getting excited. They saw the miracles. They saw the signs. They saw the wonders. There was a gathering. There was a following. There was excitement. There was zeal. But you begin to see in the Gospel of John, as Jesus is doing these miracles, these signs and wonders, you begin to see that people are getting more enamored with the signs than they are the sun. Now, these are, these are great. You know, I encourage you, everyone go back, buy one of these signs for your loved one, for someone you care about, pay the 20 bucks. Uh, you're going to write a little note that you want them to put on this thing, and they're going to go stick it in the yard of someone you love. And that person's going to walk out their door in the morning, and they're going to see that sign staring them at the face, and they're going to say, wow, Greg loves me, or whoever loves me. But don't ever love the sign more than the person who gave you the sign. But that's what people were doing. They were getting so excited about the signs and the wonders and the miracles that they forgot that it was more about Jesus. Now, today, you are going to hear of Jesus' faithfulness. 
You're going to hear stories of former students who God has touched and Jesus has become real in their life. And, and people have invested in them. Their lives have turned around. You're going to hear about miraculous interventions. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate. But let's not so focus on those stories and signs that we forget it's only Jesus. Church, Christ Center, it is only Jesus in us that allows for these miracles to happen. And we can never, ever forget that. And we are a church that loves Jesus, and we are a church that's absolutely dependent on him. There is no way in the world that these stories would happen if we were just doing this on our own. It is only because of Jesus. And so I want to conclude um, with this scripture. If we could just move on to the next one. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with a staff in hand because of great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of the people in those days, should it also be marvelous in the sight, declares the Lord of hosts. He's describing a time, Zechariah is describing a time when generations will live and work and worship together. We are at our most healthy when the proven generation and the promising generation come together and serve together. And church, we can be thankful that we have a church that lives that out. And so I want to say, as your pastor, thank you. Proven generation, thank you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do a shout out. Joe Briette, I want you to come up here for just a moment. Come on up here. He's embarrassed, and that's okay. Come on up here. We're talking about the proven generation. I've been here 30 years. I've been loving teenagers for 30 years, but Joe's been here a lot longer than I have, and he's been loving teenagers all those times. And I've been looking back on some old photos and videos, and yeah, no, no, we're, I promise I won't do that to you. <laughs> but he has been loving students for decades, and I want to honor him this morning. Can we honor Joe for his faithfulness in serving students for decades and decades and decades? Thanks, man. I love you, buddy. Yeah, that's coming later. Now, uh, you've heard others, and even um, in Lucy's, you know, prayer, she talked about the underground. The underground is the name of our youth ministry. And you might say, well, why do you call it the underground? Affectionately called the UG for underground. It's based off a story in Matthew. Jesus talks about a treasure that was buried in the field. And because they didn't have banks, they couldn't put their valuables in somewhere secure, they went out and they buried their treasure in a field. But oftentimes, they would die without ever unburying that treasure. And so someone would come along and they would maybe dig or they would see something sticking out of the ground and they would discover buried treasure. And that happened to a man. And the treasure was worth so much more than even the field. And so it says that this man went out and sold everything he had just to buy that field with that treasure in it. You see, 
You are God's treasure. And when you accept Jesus, you become buried in Christ. And you are only safe, you are only protected when you are underground, when you are buried in Jesus. You are his treasure. And so our heart at Christ Center is that these students know Jesus and know him as their Savior and that we would then disciple them and teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. The underground, they're only safe when they're in Jesus underground. That's why we call it the UG. So with that, I am going to invite a former student, Xander. Uh, wherever you're at, come on up, buddy. Xander is a, a former student at the underground. He was here many years, and then a few years ago, he left us to go to my, uh, Moody Aviation School. And so I've asked him to just come and share a little bit of his journey and then also what he's doing now. Can you give a huge Christ Center round of applause for Xander? Good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. It is good to be back. I have missed you very much. And for those of you that are saying, that's kind of weird that you missed me. I don't know you. That's okay. I'm from here. I grew up here. I went throughout all the schools here in Kashmir. And Steve and Steph were a big part of my life growing up here at Christ Center Kashmir. So my wife and I both grew up here, Shelby Robertson. I've been married to her for three years now. Praise the Lord. So uh, Christ Center has been a great part of both of our stories, and I want to share that with you. You'll have to talk to my wife later and hear her side of the story. I'm sure it is much better and more interesting than mine, but you get to hear from me this morning instead. So by the end of Vail Elementary and heading into middle school, it was a bit of a rough time period for me. So my parents were fighting a lot, and my brother and I were fighting, and eventually my parents got separated, and then they were divorced. And this is a, it's a really formative time in somebody's life, that period in elementary school and to middle school and through high school. And so I had some, some emotional scars and some pain that came from that separation. And I didn't know, didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't even know how, how much of a problem it was at the time. So I knew about Jesus. I did not know Jesus. And praise the Lord that there is a difference and how important it is to know Jesus. So my brother, the one that I was fighting with constantly, he got invited to the, to the underground and then he invited me to the underground, which I still don't understand to this day, but I'm so thankful that it happened. So I didn't know who I was yet. I was still trying to figure that out. But the people at the underground, they didn't care that I didn't know. They loved me anyways. And I found belonging there, especially from the leadership there at the underground. So one night, Steve was preaching about the sufferings of Jesus. And I, I knew that... Jesus died on the cross for me, and that's cool and neat and stuff, but I did not realize the extent of it. And Steve preached in such a way that, that I understood that God himself suffered to the degree that I, I can't even fathom and hung shamefully on a criminal's cross to pay the penalty that, that I deserved to pay. And it, it blew me away. I was floored. And I knew that my life had to change. And so I, I gave it over to the Lord, and I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know what that meant, but whatever I did, 
after that point, I wanted it to be for Jesus and with Jesus. So I got plugged into the underground, and I, I started to started to figure out who I was. I was a child of God, first and foremost, but I also had this personality that I was still figuring out. So I got plugged in using the soundboard in the back, and I did that for four-plus years and realized that I had an affinity for technical equipment and for doing things that required some thought technically. And I also went on some mission trips, and I realized that I'm a people person that has a heart for people all over the world in lots of different circumstances. The underground helped me to know who I was in Christ first and then developing my personality and helping me to grow up. So Jesus, he also used the underground to heal my broken heart. So like I said, I didn't, I didn't realize what, what needed to be healed. I wasn't sure what, what that looked like. But I remember one message. I don't remember who spoke it, if it was Josh Talbot or if it was Steve. But they challenged us at the end of the message that if we had any bitterness in our hearts, any unforgiveness or anything that we were holding back from the Lord, that we should pray and we should ask him to show us what that is so that we can forgive and not have that eat us up on the inside. And so I said, well, I can't think of anything, so I'm going to pray. And I prayed, and I had a memory pop into my head that I had not thought of for years. And the Lord used that moment to help me to forgive. It was a memory of, of my parents and separation. Led me to forgive my parents, even in the midst of not even remembering I needed to. But the Lord knew that there was something there that I needed to start that process then. And the Lord has used the underground a lot in our lives. So something else happened. I met a girl in high school. I know it's crazy stuff. I'm not going to say I recommend it, but for, for where it ended for me today, 100% would do it again. So I had experienced broken relationships, and I wanted to do it right. I didn't want to end up with brokenness over and over again as a cycle in my life and in my family. So Steve and Steph acted as mentors for me and now for my wife, Shelby. They not only laid the foundation for a healthy friendship first and then a dating relationship, but they also helped lay the foundation for our marriage, eventually Steve performing the ceremony later. Like I said, I'm not saying I recommend high school dating relationships, but this one turned out, just saying this, this one time. So God himself used Christ Center and the underground to bring our hearts to life and to transform us into who he created us to be. Jesus met with us through the underground, and we've been changed ever since. And now it's time to hear a little bit of the rest of the story. So we graduated high school, and Shelby went off to college. I went off to college. This was before we were married. And I knew that I wanted to serve Jesus for the rest of my life. I didn't know what that looked like, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so I had that technical mindset that I realized, and I also loved airplanes. That's something that's been unique to me for a long time. My dad's a pilot, and so I grew up flying with him, and I knew that I wanted to do something with aviation. I just didn't know what. So he brought something to my attention, that there was a missionary aviation school in Washington State. And I said, huh? Missionary aviation, what is that? Well, the broad strokes is that it's missions. 
but using the tool of the airplane to reach the lost and the isolated for Jesus all over the world. So the school that he was talking about, it's Moody Aviation, and it's in Spokane, Washington. And I didn't know this before I went out to the school, but they train nearly half of all of the world's missionary aviators everywhere. This school in Washington State, you've been to Spokane, and you've been in the city probably, and I had no idea that this existed. So Moody Aviation, it's a branch of the Moody Bible Institute, and they're out in Chicago. Um, the staff... Something that really struck me when I visited there and eventually joined their school is that most of them are supported missionaries from other missionary aviation organizations on loan to Moody Bible Institute. So they have real buy-in already. They have real experience. They care more than just about the technical side of things. They cared about who I was. So I joined their five-year program, which was a year of Bible class. It was two years of aviation maintenance training and then two years of flight training, which was an amazing experience. Going through the school, I realized more and more the need that there was for missionary aviation. There's over 2,000 languages on the planet that have no portion of the Bible translated into their language. 2,000 languages. Think of how many people that is. And then another 3.2 billion people on this planet are classified as unreached they have no idea the hope that they can have in Jesus. And in many cases, these groups of people, the languages, and the 3.2 billion, they're part of the 1 billion people that by the year 2030 will be roadless. They have no access to roads. That's 1 billion people by the year 2030. So aviation is the tool that we use to bridge the gap between us and the unreached. So I had the privilege to graduate last year, which was a huge blessing. And my school turned around and asked me to be a flight instructor at the school, which was another privilege in itself. They are starting a new curriculum, and they needed some extra hands in order to make that work. So now I get to train the next group of missionary aviators to depart from Moody and go into all the world and bring the lost and the isolated to Jesus through this unique tool. So I don't know where I would be without Christ Center, but probably not training missionary aviators in Spokane. That's, I, I'm so thankful for what I get to do. Youth are not the church of the future. They're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. They're here now, and they are part of the body and that's something that I want to thank you all for recognizing that when I was a youth coming through and pouring into my life and into my wife's life and bringing us to a point through Jesus that we could know him and see what he had to do for our lives. So you partnered with us then, and now we want to partner with you now. We have an amazing opportunity to be supported missionaries on staff at Moody Bible Institute. And we want to partner with any and all of you in what the Lord is doing at Moody and what the Lord is doing here at Christ Center Cashmere for the youth and beyond. So if you want to know more about that, please come talk to me. I've got a table in the back that I would love to chat about what that looks like. So thank you so much for this opportunity to speak today. 
and so much for what you've done in the past for me and for my wife. Isn't that awesome? Glory to God. Let's just pray over Xander and Shelby. God, we just thank you this moment that we have to be with Xander, to hear his story, to hear Shelby's story. Father, we just believe that you're doing a great work, God, in their lives, and we just pray blessing and abundance over them. Lord, I pray for all the provision that is needed, Lord, for them to uh, be able to uh, have more than enough in this season of their journey as they pour themselves into these aviators. God, we thank you for um, this cup of cold water from a faraway land that refreshes our soul today. We pray blessing over them in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. That was awesome. So good. So good. But we're not done. We have one more. I want to welcome up here our current youth leader, Kelsey Folden. So give it up for Kelsey. Come on up. I thought it, I thought it would be fun, though, to maybe just show you a little bit of what she looked like when she was in youth group. So I put a little video together here for you. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> that was middle school me. Thank the Lord for change. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, I'm Kelsey, most of you know me, um, and we're up here today to just share with you guys why UG is so important to us. Um, and some of you know me, but I don't know if most of you know that I actually started going to UG in middle school when I was in eighth grade. Um, I didn't know anything about Jesus yet, um, but I started going to UG in middle school. Um, and I grew up in a non-Christian home. I mean, my parents were literally everything but Christians. Uh, I remember me and my brother found this Buddhist scroll in my mom's closet. We're like, what's that? Um, and you know, my mom and dad, they worked so hard. Uh, they owned the Wild Huckleberry. Those of you who know the, wild, know the Wild Huckleberry, my parents started that. And the giant pancake the size of your face, that was my idea, so you're welcome. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but because of that, my brother and I never really saw my mom and dad a lot growing up, so that was really tough. Um, and I also learned what a functioning alcoholic was at eight, year, eight years old. Um, my mom, she went through so much in her childhood, uh, but she would be passed out in the living room in her chair, and I'd ask my brother, you know, what's that about? And those of you who don't know or have anyone in your life that's an alcoholic, they usually choose vodka because you can't smell that as much on their breath. But we would find bottles in like drawers and all over. Um, and that was really hard too. So to get away from it all, I guess you, you would say I was one of the bad kids. I was like the emo girl that hated cashmere, loved rock and roll. I tipped over a porta potty once with someone in it. That was really bad. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, but I love my parents, do not get me wrong, and they were amazing. They would do anything for me and my brother. Um, you know, they just, they just did the best they could with, what, with the cards they were dealt. Um, so I was going through that awkward eighth grade to ninth grade age, you know, where the friends you've always had, you kind of lose, and that's like a really hard time in your life, so I was desperate for friends. And one day, I was longboarding by the UG, and uh, this girl pops her head out the door, her name was Shasta Smiley. Some of you know her. She's so dear to me. And she was like, hey, stranger, you want to come to youth group? And I was like, desperate for friends. I was like, sure, whatever. So I go. And the moment I walked in those doors, my life changed forever. 
Slowly but surely, my life changed. Um, you know, and they all loved me. It was fun and friendly, and, you know, I still didn't know about the God thing, but I kept going. It was like a second home. Like, they, they accepted me and my style and my upbringing. Like, they didn't care. And I was kind of always the one they tried to save, but I actually had no idea because they just loved me. Um, and I want to show you a picture of some of the people, a part of my journey. Uh, there's, some, there's Adam Haney, and there's some Wagners up there, and there's Smileys are all up there. And who's the guy with the blanket? I forget his name. Lauren? A volunteer guy. He was really nice. Um, and then I have another picture that just, uh, it's baby Micah and I. It's so cute. Sorry, Micah. <laughs> um, Anyways, um, so I kept going, and um, later on, uh, Stephanie Haney invited me to a mission trip to Tijuana. We used to go to Tijuana, Mexico, and my mom was like, absolutely not. You are not going. Like, my family was just not used to this Christian stuff, right? Especially a mission trip where we would stay with barred windows <laughs> and guards. <laughs> but um, so I'm on the phone with my mom. I'm like, Stephanie, she's not going to let me go. Stephanie's like, let me talk to her. Like, okay, whatever, it's not going to work. And then Stephanie comes back, and she hands me the phone back. She's like, you're going to Mexico. I was like, what did you say? And I answer, I'm like, mom, and my mom is bawling. She's like, you have to go to Tijuana, baby girl. Like, you need to go. And I just look at Stephanie. I was like, what did you say? And Stephanie's like, hmm. And I swear, she walked away, and she could have done a spiritual mic drop right there. <laughs> I was like, Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, but anyways, I get to go to Tijuana, and we stop at a YWAM base in California where we did um, some missionary training, like skits and stuff, and they were doing a skit of a reenactment of Jesus getting crucified. I had never seen that, kind of like Xander's story. I'd never seen that, and I was like, wow, Jesus really loved me. Like, I had no idea. And uh, it was at night, and we were in this big field, and there was tiki torches, and the stars were out. And I remember sitting by myself during that reenactment, and my eyes were closed. And that was the moment I gave my heart to Jesus. And it was so surreal because the next thing I know, I open my eyes, and I'm standing. I do not remember standing. I knew what I was doing, but I do not remember standing. And even more so, when I opened my eyes, my whole team was around me with their hands on my shoulders and each other's. And we were all crying. And I've never felt so loved in my entire life. And that moment was just all God, and it was beautiful. Um, and so I felt so loved. And after that, I prayed a prayer because I felt so loved. I said, Lord, you love me so much. Like, I want to be somebody for you like Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> I loved Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> I was basically telling God, like, I want to do more for you. I want to, like, really, really serve you. Like, you love me. And, um, you know, be careful what you pray for because then, boom, next thing you know, you're a youth leader years later. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would never take that prayer back. I am so thankful. I just did not think it would be a youth leader. Um, Anyways, uh, after being saved, I still lived a double lifestyle. I did, you know. I only went to God when it was convenient. I didn't go to God yet because I needed him. 
Um, and I went to college, and it was just this roller coaster of a journey. You know, I had these voids in my life that I couldn't explain why they were there. Um, so I tried to fill them with toxic relationships um, or alcohol, because that's what I saw growing up. And in the last years of college, my parents got divorced. And uh, it does not matter what age you are when your parents get divorced. Any age, it is not fun. <laughs> Um, but my whole life went from just rocked and flipped upside down. My security was taken. You know, everything I thought I needed to survive was gone. And not only that, within that same month, my grandma died. And she was my best friend. Um, and not only that, within the same month, I got really sick. I was having seizures and a bunch of other issues that no doctors could explain. So, you know, people are like, oh, at least you have your family and your health and your job. And I'm like, actually, I don't have any of those. Um, you know, I couldn't hold a job because I was so sick. And, you know, everything secure, just gone. Um, and my parents, they went from parents to really terrible friends. And it was not their fault. It's just what happens in divorce. It just breaks and it crumbles. Um, it still doesn't make it enjoyable. But for example, when I was sick, I had to get this surgery. It was pretty major. And I had to get a surgery to see if I had cancer. And um, my mom said she would pick me up. And I called her after because she wasn't there. Nobody was there. And uh, I called her, and she didn't answer. So I called my dad. <laughs> And uh, he said he was busy. So this happened over the years, scenarios like this. My mom choosing alcohol, and my dad had got a new family already, and he would choose them again and again. And, you know, the two people you would never imagine would abandon you, and they do, is absolutely devastating and heart-wrenching. It grew this depression inside of me. And I tried to fix it on my own, and I couldn't. And it got so bad that I got so depressed that I couldn't leave my house. Um, I wanted to die. I was suicidal at the age of 23. <laughs> um, finally, you know, I was at rock bottom. I was at rock bottom. And guess who I turned to? I finally turned to God. I called Steve and Steph. And they taught me how to put God on the throne. You know, God saved my life, and I would not have known to go to him if it was not for UG. If it wasn't for that bond and investment at UG, I wouldn't have known to go to him. I wholeheartedly believe I would not be standing here in front of you today. I would be dead. Some of you would not know me if it wasn't for God and UG. You know, but I ran to my Heavenly Father, who I learned is all that I need, and he started filling all those voids. He's the perfect Father, and I went from going to God when it was convenient to needing his word and reading it to survive. I might not have the best parents, but I have a perfect Heavenly Father. And God saved me in middle school, and he was always with me, and he saved me again and again throughout my life journey. You know, UG is more than just fun. It's where kids are saved, people are saved. 
After I put God on the throne, a lot of amazing things started happening. Um, I started not needing toxic relationships or alcohol to fill my voids. And my parents and I had a better relationship because God taught me how to forgive myself and to forgive them again and again. And God also taught me my parents are not superheroes. They're human. (laughs) And they did their best. And they might fail me, but God will never fail me. You remember that prayer I told you about Martin Luther King Jr.? Um, And after I put God on the throne, he's like, okay, I got a plan for you. It's this way. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to go this way. (laughs) And no matter how far left or off his path we go, if you're willing to let him, he'll bring you back to his plan. And I'm here to tell you it is so much better. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. I have that memorized because I need it to survive. All the glory goes to God, none of it to me with my story, all of it to God. And I think God chooses people who you would least expect to be his disciples because then he gets all the glory. Like Paul, who killed Christians, who would have thought he would work side by side with Jesus, right? You know, God knocked him off his high horse and blinded him and then revealed himself to him. I had three people call um, from when I was in youth group. They're like, Kelsey, are you the new youth leader? I'm like, yeah. They're like, wow, but cool, but wow. I'm like, right? Go figure. (laughs) You know, but glory to God. Like, nobody... You know, uh, Paul talks about glory to God because of his journey, too. Nobody could have brought Paul to God except God, and same with me. Um, Just some of Paul's verses that talks about glory to God are Romans 1.25, Ephesians 3.21, and Philippians 4.20. That's a really good one. Um, You know, it's important to help our youth follow Jesus. It gives kids hope in a hopeless world. This world is so dark right now, and if we don't have a light to light our way, how will we know where to go? You know, um, I was actually homeless for a while uh, because it was right when my parents got divorced. I got out of college. My security, my home where I grew up was just gone. I didn't know where to go. Um, My parents just left the house. My mom left to Seattle. My dad took off to Moses Lake with his new family. And there were three things that I kept while I was homeless, couch surfing, One was uh, this name tag Steve Haney made us for core team when I was in high school. Uh, Another one is this picture. Amber's going to pull it up of me when I got saved in Tijuana. The frame's all scuffed up. I've had it for so long. Um, And another is my core ring. I broke it a lot, but Steven's stuff always got me new ones. Um, (laughs) But those of you who don't know... um, how hard it is to be homeless, to go from couch to couch. Uh, It is so hard to take things with you. And I kept three things, and the three things were these things from UG. This this name tag hangs on my office at the UG now. God works in crazy ways, mysterious ways. Never put him in a box. Um... UG planted a seed to help me, and if it wasn't, if UG wasn't there, I don't know where me or Xander would be. I don't know if we'd be saved. I don't know if we'd be working for Jesus right now. 
You know, UG makes a huge difference in the youth lives. lives. <laughs> if it wasn't for Shasta who invited me to UG, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'd be up here in front of you serving Jesus right now. You know, I would have a very different story. If there was no tithing on Sundays to fund the UD, UG, Shasta would have never discipled me. Stephen Steph would have never been able to make UG fun and keep me coming because at first the Jesus thing, I wasn't sure about it, but it was fun. But then the fun turned into love. And then the love turned into the best awakening of my life. This is why we do Adopt Youth, to invest in our youth. Adopt Youth is when you give and you pray for our youth. And I'll explain that later. Um, you know, but UG wasn't just Steve and Steph. You know, it's all of you. It's all of you who are faithful to giving to this church when you can. You keep the UG going. You keep the lights on. You let us have money to take kids to coffee when they have a bad day to pray for each kid. You know, Steve and Steph couldn't do it on their own, and I know I could not do it on my own. The support you guys give, discipling kids, saving kids, giving them a second home, they may seem like little things, but they aren't. When you invest and give, you are as a part of UG as anyone who has ever been a youth leader here or volunteered at UG. Without you, there would be no us. And I can wholeheartedly say there would be no me. And I just want to take a moment for all of, to thank all of you for investing in our youth and also make a shout out to the holidays because I found out a year ago that they picked my adopt youth photo and they prayed for me. Sorry, you have probably had to pray a lot. Thank you. You are our prayer warriors. <laughs> Um, and just a little update, UG's doing great. Um, we've been discipling our students closely. We have students coming from Leavenworth to East Wenatchee, um, and we stay connected to previous students too, supporting them in any way that we can. Um, and you know, we're making a difference in these kids' lives, giving them a safe place to spiritually grow and learn. Um, and kids today, you guys, have so many fierce challenges, especially during COVID. Um, these kids face depression, anxiety, temptation of drugs and alcohol, eating disorders, family dysfunction, bullying, and so on. And that's so hard to deal with. We have kids starving for solutions and spiritual needs. And I, I believe in this church because of our cause. I believe in this church so much. My life and Xander's life are proof of our cause. We are a church that has a heart for the lost, especially our youth, which is our future. Like you all did for me because of your faithfulness. And in the Bible, it talks about how Jesus saw children. He valued them. He treated them with kindness and love. He valued them. He took time to minister to them. He healed them. When you invest by praying or giving to the youth fund to keep the UG going, you guys are really helping us disciple these kids to save the youth. I mean, to invest in the future is so important. I mean, it paid off for Steve and Steph. They got a new youth leader. They invested in me, <laughs> right? They probably would not have thought that back then either, but thank you. <laughs> um, we accomplish more in Christ united in a common cause than our best individual efforts. You know, I needed Shasta, I needed Steve, I needed Steph, I needed the UG, but they needed all of you. And I just want to show you guys where your prayers and giving are going. Amber's going to play a video, and I know you might not see the effects today or tomorrow, 
But without you, it, none of this would be possible. And also, before she plays it, um, some of this footage was from last year, so don't be alarmed if they're not wearing masks. Okay. How would you describe it, or what does it mean to you? Um, I would describe it as like family, fun, and like acceptance. Like I, and like love. I would feel like accepted and loved when I come to UG. So that's like why I love coming here. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yep. No. Um, it's just super comforting there, and you can be open and honest with anyone. Nice. Youth group for me is one of my favorite places to be because it's safe and it's fun and I get to learn about God and I'm with friends and people who understand me. Uh, Matthew 18.13 says, He is happier about the one lost sheep that is found than about the 99 that don't wander off. We just want to be able to find those sheep of our future. So you guys, I'm giving you an opportunity today where you can invest today in our youth specifically, we do adopt youth. So at the back, Abby and Zoe will be at that table back there. And there's also a table here with photos. You pick a photo of a student. On the back is some fun information about them, like their names, birthdays. And you also grab one of these forms and you fill it out. You write your name, your number, 
And uh, we usually ask for $15 a month, but if you guys can't do that and want to do a smaller amount, that's great. If you can't even do that, just praying for these kids is what they really need. And um, yeah, and then you can just hand these back to them. And you know, Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice, his life for us. Jesus was a giver. In Luke 6.30, oh, Proverbs 11.25, when you refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. Um, and in Luke 6.30, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I just want to give you guys the opportunity to give today. And when you are a giver, you will be blessed emotionally, spiritually, possibly financially. You know, God will be faithful to his word. If we didn't do adopt youth or tithing on Sundays, we'd be robbing you guys of an opportunity for a blessing. Please bow with me while I pray. Dear God, just thank you for today. Um, UG has brought glory to you, God, over and over again, like our stories you heard today. UG is an investment in our youth uh, to being spiritually led. God, thank you for your love. And guys, God loves you all. And please just wrap your arms around all these kids in our future, Lord, and just remind us that if we're following you, we're already winning.